scriptures here, and then we'll pray and let you be seated. <clears throat> in Judges chapter number 2, the Bible says in verse number 6, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnatherez, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill, Gaish. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Last week we started a message, a series entitled, Kids Can Know. In our text this morning in verse number 10, the Bible says, There arose another generation which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. So we're going to go back this morning and look at this verse again and ask the Lord to help us add to what we started last week. Father, we pray that you would take the message now as we're about to do our best to preach what you have laid upon our heart. I ask you, Father, if you would, to give us liberty and give us power. And Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God this morning speak to hearts as only you can. Lord, I'm so grateful for the fact that we have the privilege to have chapel here at Calvary Baptist Church and at Calvary Christian School. And I just pray, Lord, that you would take the chapel message this morning and use it for the furtherance of the work of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. We're going now to do a quick recap of what we looked at last week. But to bring you back up to speed with where we were, we talked about how that Moses, the leader of the nation of Israel, died and God allowed Joshua to be the new leader, man that we saw as a young man way back in another passage of scripture that had a, a hunger and a desire to know God. Go along with what we're preaching about this morning. Joshua became the new leader, and under his leadership and with God's help, God allowed the nation of Israel to cross over the Jordan River and enter into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. But in our text this morning, at the age of 110, Joshua died. And the Bible says that in verse number 10, that all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, meaning all those people that were the same age as Joshua. We would look at them as the senior saints, the older people. All of them slowly begin to die. And as they died, there came up another generation after them. So that tells me that these older people that were in their late 80s, 90s, and hundreds like Joshua, they had children, they had grandchildren, they had great-grandchildren, and that was the generation that came up after them. But one of the most tragic passages of Scripture that we find in our Bible is that after all that God had done for the nation of Israel in the 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness, and we talked about it a little bit last week, how that God miraculously delivered the nation of Israel from Egypt. Remember, they were slaves. They were in bondage, had been in slavery and bondage for 400 years. And the pharaohs of Egypt were a cruel taskmaster. 
And they forced the nation of Israel and the Israelite people to build their cities and they had to make the bricks and they had to go out and gather the straw and they had to do all of this hard work and they would be beaten and they were being treated with so much uh, harshness and, and so much hatred. And this went on for uh, 400 years and God sent Moses to deliver the nation of Israel out of the, uh, the, the nation of Is, uh, Egypt. And the Bible tells us that through a series of plagues and all these crazy things that happen, frogs and, 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 uh, and uh, the blood, uh, water turning to blood and, and the firstborn dying and darkness so thick you could feel it. I mean, all these different plagues happen and God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt and then he brought them through the Red Sea on dry ground. And then for 40 years, he fed them and watered them and took care of them. We talked about last week how that their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out. And God let manna fall from heaven, let quail fall from heaven. He gave water out of the rocks and he took care of them and protected them for 40 years. Moses dies, Joshua becomes the new leader. They cross over Jordan, enter into the Canaan land, walked around Jericho. You know the story, the walls came tumbling down. God gave them victory after victory after victory and gave them the land that he had promised Moses all the way back at the burning bush. The sad fact is that when Joshua and his generation died, there came after them another generation that did not know anything about what we just talked about. They did not know about what God had done. The Bible says they did not know the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And I have to conclude that at some point, these parents and these grandparents, either them, they themselves maybe forgot what God had done, or they lost sight of how awesome and how important it was, or maybe they just had the misconception that children just can't understand those things. Maybe they made the mistake of thinking that because children are young and they're distracted easily and they enjoy playing and, and they don't have a lot of responsibilities and because they don't have all the answers that maybe it was just too deep and it was too complicated for them. And so they didn't even bother to teach the children about God and all the things that God had done. And so a generation came up after Joshua, the Bible says it knew not the Lord nor the works which he had done. And boy, I'll tell you, this, this created a serious problem because the very next verse, verse number 11, says, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And I thought to myself, nobody took the time to teach these children about God, but somebody taught them about Balaam. Nobody told the children about all the things that God could do, but somebody taught these children how to worship false gods. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And verse 12 says, And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, the gods of the people that were round about them. And they bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. So I find out that this generation was impressionable. Y'all know what that word impressionable means? That means that they were easily influenced and impressed to do what everybody else around them was doing. And though nobody taught them about God, nobody taught them about the works of God, somebody taught them about Baal, somebody taught them about Ashtaroth, and these young generation grew up worshiping and bowing down to false idols and false gods because that's what they had been taught to do. 
And last week I brought out how that has been my burden. It has been my desire to make sure that not a single student of Calvary Baptist School, not a single young person at Calvary Baptist Church grows up and says, I didn't know about God. I didn't know about what God could do. I didn't know about his power. I didn't know about all the miracles. I didn't know what is, that he had a plan for my life. He had a purpose for my life. I do not want you to ever say that because I firmly believe that kids can know these things. Children can know them. Last week I gave you four or five things. Quick recap, we talked about Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, how that kids can know the voice of God and how that God came and stood at the bedside of a little boy named Samuel and though the priest Eli was not where he should be and God wasn't communicating with Eli and the Bible says the word of the Lord was precious in those days. God saw fit to communicate his word and his will to a little boy named Samuel, called him by his name and Samuel said, speak Lord for thy servant heareth and that tells me that children can know the voice of God. You don't have to wait till you're 18 or 21. You don't have to wait till you get married. You don't have to wait till you go to Bible college or graduate with some kind of Bible college degree for you to be able to hear and recognize the voice of God. You can know and hear the voice of God right now as a child. God will speak to you. God will come to you and he will speak to you in your heart and you will know for sure that that's him. You need to cultivate an ear for the voice of God. If you've ever been around cows in the field. There can be 30, 40, 50 calves running around out there in that pasture. And they can all be running around and romping around and playing. And when that ma, their mama starts to, starts to make her noise, those calves go straight to their own ma. And they all sound just alike to me. That all sounds the same to me, but that little calf knows which one his mommy is, and he'll go running up there. And I'm gonna tell you something. Here's what Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And if you're saved, you have the ability to hear and recognize the voice of God. Kids can know the voice of God. If you've ever heard God speak to you, that is a priceless thing. It's a wonderful thing. We talked about that last week. Kids can know the voice of God. Secondly, we talked about Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15, how the kids can know the word of God. Paul said that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures. This is, book right here is not written just for adults. This book's not just written for pastors. This book's not just written for evangelists and missionaries. This book's not just written for Sunday school teachers and school teachers. This book right here is given to every man, woman, boy, and girl. And you as a child have the capability to know and understand the word of God. Paul told Timothy that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Here in Calvary Baptist School, we put emphasis on scripture memorization. You need to start learning, memorizing scripture the Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Kids can learn the lyrics to songs. They can learn the lines in a movie. They can learn the jingles on the commercials and all of the little ads that they hear on the radio, on the television. You and I ought to be able to memorize scripture and hide his word in our heart. And you as a child can know the word of God. Let me tell you something else. You can know when somebody misquotes it too. Even today, if I'm listening to a radio broadcast and they start quoting scripture, automatically I know that's not, the, that's not what the Bible says. I don't know what they're reading, but that's not the Bible. That's something, something man came up with. 
Those words have been lodged in our hearts and as a, as from a child, and my parents drilled that into me, learning scripture and memorizing scripture. You say, that's a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And the Bible tells us one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to bring to your remembrance the things which you have heard. The Holy Spirit of God will help you in a time of temptation, in a time of trial, when you need comforting, when you need instruction, when you need reminders, when you need guidance. God will bring those Bible verses back to your, the forefront of your mind that you memorized when you were little, that you think, oh, I'll never need that. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. Children can know, kids can know the word of God. Thirdly, kids can know the touch of God. In Mark chapter number 10, they brought young children to Jesus that he should touch them. And the Bible says that he took them up in his arms and he put his hands upon them and blessed them. We talked about the importance of having the touch of God upon your life. You don't have to wait till you're an adult. You don't have to wait till you're in middle age. You don't have to be in the ministry to know the touch of God upon your life. You can know it as a child. You can know that. God will touch you. God will make himself known unto you. And it's a whole lot better when you experience it for yourself than when you always have to rely on somebody else to describe it to you. I can't describe to you what a Wendy's Frosty tastes like. You just gotta eat one for yourself. I can't explain to you what a Dairy Queen banana split tastes like. You just gotta have one. You gotta try it. It's hard to explain. You can talk about the colors and the taste and how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is, but it's not the same as actually tasting it. David said like this, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some things you just gotta experience for yourself and the touch of God is one of them. And God wants to touch you. He can touch you right now, the age that you are, put his hand upon you, and he can do something amazing in your life. Kids can know the touch of God. Thirdly, we talked about kids can know the worship or the praises of God. In Matthew chapter 21, the Bible says that they heard the children crying in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. And Jesus responded to those that were displeased, and here's what he said, have you not read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? I remember when I was growing up, it seemed like the only ones that did much praising was the older people. The little white-headed ladies would pull out their handkerchiefs and they'd go, woo, us kids would be watching them going, man, look at there. And I've been to some churches where the old people were the ones raising their hands. They were the ones saying hallelujah. They were the ones saying glory. But can I tell you something? The Bible says that God perfected praise in the mouth of the babies and the children. He wants to hear you praising. He wants to hear you say, praise the Lord. He wants to hear you say, God has been good to me. He wants to hear you worship him. He wants to see you praising and worshiping him. He's perfected praise in the mouth of children. Children can know the worship of God. Fifthly, last week we talked about children can know the call of God. In Jeremiah chapter number one, God came to Jeremiah and he says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Then Je Jeremiah said, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I'm but a child. And God said, say not, I'm a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. I don't know how old Jeremiah was, but Jeremiah called himself a child. When God came to him and said, I got something I want you to do. He said, I can't do that. I'm just a kid. God said, don't say I'm a kid. Don't say I'm a child. I got something I want you to do. We talked about that last week. Kids can know 
these things. I'm going to give you three more this morning that God laid upon my heart earlier this week. I want you to look with me in 2 Kings chapter number 2. 2 Kings chapter number 2, we find a story there of a little girl. We don't even know her name. The Bible just calls her little maid. We don't even know what her name is. God didn't see fit to tell us what her name was. But in 2 Kings uh, chapter number, no, that ain't right. Let me get my act together here. Well, I got the wrong, I got the wrong chapter somehow. Chapter five, there it is. That looks better. I was lost there for a second. Second Kings chapter number five. Second Kings chapter number five, the Bible tells us name in verse one, captain of the host of the king of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria and he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper, he was a warrior, he was a captain of the host, he was, a, he was one of the, 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 the leaders in the army there for the Syrians and the Bible tells us he was a mighty man. But he was a leper. The Bible says in verse two that the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. That word waited means she served. She was like her servant, her little servant girl. And the little girl in verse three said to her mistress, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria for he would recover him of his leprosy. Write this down. Kids can know how to sympathize with people that are hurting. Now, here's the thing that's impressed me this morning. Let's just be very honest. Look up in here just a second. Let's be real honest. Most children, most young people are pretty much consumed in, with their own self. They're really concerned about what they want they're concerned about what they need. They're always whining about their problems. They don't seem to notice anybody else having any problem. And you see a little, a couple of kids, at the, there's, a, there's a tray full of cookies and they're always fighting over the biggest one. Very rarely will you see a child say, I'm gonna take the small one. Here, you can have the big one. No, they're fighting, they're playing tug of war over the cookie that's that much bigger than the other one or it's got two more chocolate chips than the other one. Kids are normally, just by nature, very self-centered. That's just part of being immature. That's part of being a kid. Self-centered, you wake up in the morning and it's all about, this is what I want, and I need you to do this. I need you to help me find my shoes. I need you to help me fix my breakfast, help me fix my lunch. I need you to help me carry my backpack. I mean, it's all about me, 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 I, I, I. That's the way kids are normally. At some point, hopefully, after they have a confrontation with God, they grow out of that. But we know some adults that are that way too. Can I get a witness? We say, my four and no more, meaning they're not concerned about anybody else. But I'm gonna tell you something about this little girl right here. This little girl had been kidnapped from her family. She had been kidnapped from her country. She had been taken to a foreign country and she was forced to serve the man that kidnapped her, forced to serve his wife in their house. Forced child slave labor. Are y'all listening to me? Some of y'all that have a problem having to do your own chores. Oh, my parents are so mean to me. My parents are awful. They make me empty the trash once a day. This little girl was a slave. 
This girl right here had been taken from her family. She knew nobody there, probably didn't even know the language, had to learn a new language. I don't know exactly what happened, but the Bible tells us this little maid was there and her master, Naaman, came down with leprosy. Now most people at that point would have been shouting hallelujah. That's what you get. That's what you deserve. You stole me from my family. You kidnapped me from my homeland and you making me do all this work for you. I don't even want to be here. I hope you die. That's not what she did. She saw this man that was suffering with leprosy and leprosy was a horrible, horrible disease of which there was no cure. It would start out under the skin. It looks like a little, looked like a little birthmark or a little sore, and that thing would just start to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, you've got white pus all over you, and your fingers are rotting off, and your ears are rotting off, and your nose is rotting off. And they would have to wrap themselves up with cloth and gauze, and they have to isolate themselves. You want to talk about quarantine and social distancing? It was all in the Bible, and it was the people with leprosy, and they had to live in colonies by themselves. And anytime. Anybody that didn't have leprosy got close to them. They had to say, unclean, 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 and run away. And they pretty much just lived in isolation until they rotted and died. And that's what Naaman had. But you know what this little girl had that a lot of kids don't have, but a lot of kids should have, and that is sympathy for people that are hurting. She wasn't concerned about her needs. She wasn't worried about her wants. She wasn't thinking about herself. She was looking at this man and she saw that it was causing him problems with his job and with his king. It was causing problems with his marriage because he could no longer come home and hug and kiss his wife at the door. He could no longer come home and hug his children. He could no longer sit at the table and fellowship and eat with his family. He had to go live by himself. And that little girl, when she saw that, instead of being glad, the Bible says she had sympathy. And she said in verse number three, would to God that my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of this leprosy. What a statement. What an amazing little girl that looks at her captor, her kidnapper, her master that is forcing her into slavery and has sympathy for him and for his needs. So preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying kids can sympathize. Kids, listen to me, kids can learn to see the needs of other people besides themselves. It's rare, but it can happen. To be able to look at your parents and say, can I help you with that? See mom in the kitchen washing dishes all by herself after cooking the, the meal and, and slaving in the kitchen, and now she's in there washing the dishes to go in there and say, mom, can I give you a hand? You've been working so hard. Let me come in here and help you. He said, oh my goodness, preacher, that's, you're preaching blasphemy. No, I'm not. See dad working out in the yard? Dad, let me help you. Can I help you pull some weeds? Can I help you cut the grass? Can I help you wash the car? You work so hard, take care of our family. You're out here doing this. Let me come out here and help you. Or see somebody that has a need. Here's another example. And I've been hammering on you young people for this for, for, this for about five or six years. When we have young people come through the doors of this church to visit, pull away from your little friends and go meet new friends. 
Go and shake their hands at the back door and say, welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. Would you all like, would you like to come sit with us? We've got teenagers that sit in the back. We've got teenagers and young people that sit over here and that you should invite them to come and sit with you. You don't know what they're going through. I'm talking about having a heart, a tender heart for other people other than yourself. Kids can have the capacity to do that. Are y'all listening to me? Most kids are just all about serve me, give me. I want this, I want that. I want you to do this for me, I want you to do this for me. And they're never looking at what other people need and what other people want. But children have the ability to learn how to sympathize. She saw this man suffering and she said, I wish to God that he could be back in Israel. There's a prophet there that could heal him of this leprosy. You want to know what's amazing? Nobody had ever been healed of leprosy before. Think about this a minute. This little girl says, if he were back in Israel, there's a prophet that could recover him of his leprosy. And the Bible tells us very clearly in the Gospels, Jesus said there were many lepers in Israel that day, and the only one that was ever healed was Naaman. How did she know that God could? She had so much faith in God. She trusted God to do something that God had never done before. That's another whole message right there. Number two, write this down. Kids not only can know how to sympathize, but in John chapter number six, there's a story there about kids that know how to sacrifice. What an amazing story of a little boy in John chapter number six. 5,000 people on the side of this mountain. John chapter number six, 5,000 people are on the side of this mountain. And the Bible tells us it got time to eat. And not one person there offered to do anything except this one little boy. He had a packed lunch. How many of you brought a lunch to school today? How many of you brought five loaves and two fishes? That's kind of weird, isn't it? Five loaves and two fishes? That would be like two fish sandwiches with an extra piece of bread. Five loaves and two fishes. And he looks around and he sees 5,000 people that are hungry. And all of a sudden, without even being asked, he walks up to the disciples and said, here, you can have my lunch. How many of you here today are willing to give your lunch away? Some of you are raising your hand. You must have got something you don't like. I guarantee if your favorite meal, if your favorite meal was in there, you would not want to share it. You'd probably sell it. You might trade it. But I doubt you'd walk in here and say, here, you can have my lunch. I'm willing to go the rest of the day without anything to eat. I'm willing to give my whole lunch so that these other people can have something to eat. That's pretty rare. That's pretty rare for kids. Can I get a witness? When's the last time you've seen a kid give up their food so somebody else could eat so they could go hungry? No, usually they're eating their food and then they're reaching over and getting stuff off of your plate too. But this little boy right here learned how to sacrifice. That word sacrifice means to give up something that you value very much. In this case, it was his food. The Bible tells us that they said that, that, that Jesus looked up and saw the great company in verse number five, and he said to Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Philip said in verse number seven, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient. If we had 200 days wages, if we had enough money, 
of somebody that worked for 200 days and we had that much money, it would still not be enough money to feed all these people, 5,000 people. This church right here can seat about 600. So you take as many people as you can put inside of this church, pack it in here, times 10 almost. And that's how many people were standing on the side of that hill. And look at what it says. One of his disciples in verse eight saith unto him, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? This little kid, Lord, this little boy come over here, he's got five loaves and two small fishes. I don't know how small they were. He might have scooped them out of the aquarium in his house. It might have just been them little bitty guppies. I don't know. We got five loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? There's no, this is, a, this is pointless. I don't even know why he would come over here and offer us this. Look at verse number 10. Jesus said, make the men sit down. There was much grass in the place where the men sat down in number about 5,000. That's 5,000 men. There's probably women and children there too. There could have been 15,000. There could have been 20,000 people there that day. Look at verse number 11. And Jesus took the loaves and when he given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, 5,000 plus people got full on five loaves and two fishes. That's amazing to me. I've heard this story preached a hundred times and every time I read it, it still blows my mind. What even blows my mind more is that this little boy was the one that made it happen by sacrificing what he had so somebody else that didn't have could have it. I'm talking about giving now. Come on, listen to me. I'm talking about giving. Every service at Calvary Baptist Church, we put the offering plates down here. People come put their money in the plate. You say, well, I don't have a job. I don't have a job. You might not have a job, but you've got money. I, every kid in here has got money. You might not have a lot, but you've got some. Let me tell you something. If you have to wait till you get a job to learn how to sacrifice, you won't ever be very good at it. Kids can learn how to sacrifice. This boy had one lunch, and he gave one lunch, and he had no guarantee he was going to get another one. He wasn't thinking about tomorrow. He wasn't thinking about what happens after. He just sacrificed. And God took that five loaves and two fishes and blessed it and break it and gave it to all those people. And then the Bible says he went to his disciples. He said, I want you to go pick up all the fragments. And they went and gathered up all the fragments and there was 12 baskets full of leftovers. And I heard a guy say one time, that was a basket for each one of the 12 disciples. And I said, you're an idiot. Jesus didn't give those disciples a basket of food. They didn't give anything. That little boy got those baskets. And I guarantee you, Jesus looked at those 12 disciples and said, follow him home. Make sure his mama gets that. And that little boy showed up. He walked out with a little sack lunch of five loaves and two fishes. And he shows up with 12 baskets full of fish and bread. Why? Because he learned as a lad how to sacrifice and what God does for people that do sacrifice. Giving to missions. When you get money for your birthday, you get money for Christmas. You should tithe on that. Give some of it to the Lord. When we have missionaries and we take up special offerings for missionaries, you should ask God, what would you have me to give? You say, well, I don't have but $5. $5? 
is, is more than nothing. And if God is laying it on your heart to give it, learn to listen to the voice of God and learn to sacrifice. You say, well, if I give that $5, I won't ever get another $5 for the rest of my life as long as I live. You don't believe that. I've got a saying, we say it in staff meeting all the time. Brother Payne hears me say it. It's just money. There's more where that came from. God somehow or another always just manages to just replace whatever you give. He just replaces it with even more. I started giving when I was a kid. I didn't wait till I got a job to start giving. I started giving when I was a child. One of the biggest offerings that I ever remember giving, we were at Faith Baptist Camp. I was uh, seven years old. We were at Faith Baptist Camp. Y'all heard me talk about Faith Baptist Camp. Brother Sammy Allen was the moderator there. And they were known for taking up offerings. They'd take up offerings for this missionary and this person over here had a need and this person had a need and they were always taking up offerings. And I remember sitting there one day and people were giving. And they were giving money and they were giving writing checks. I'll give $100. I'll give $500. I'll give $1,000. I'll church or write a check for $1,000. And I'm sitting there as a kid and my heart was just pounding. I wanted to give so bad. And I didn't have any money. I was seven years old. And this was back before parents knew about allowances. That came along after I grew up. We didn't, that was, I, I lived in the pre-allowance. Any of you, did, you all remember, I, I didn't get an allowance. No, I worked. And my allowance was I got to sleep in the bed and eat at the table. That was my allowance. I didn't have any money. But I'm sitting there and I want to give so bad. I had a desire to give to this need. And the Lord said to me, you've got a bicycle. I had just gotten a bicycle for my birthday. Now some of y'all won't remember this, but it was one of those bicycles that had the banana seat on it. Remember that? Banana seat. Long seat, about that long. I'll never forget it. It was a rust-colored orange color bicycle, brand spanking new. And man, I love that bicycle. And the Lord said, you've got a bicycle. Now, I was five hours from home. But I sat there until I felt like my heart was going to bust. And I got up and I walked down to the front and he come over there and said, what you got, son? And I said, I want to give him my bicycle. And I was crying. I want to get my bicycle. And I went and sat down, and I felt so good. I didn't know how I was going to get it to him, and I don't know how that bicycle was going to help the need, but I gave what I had. I will never forget this as long as I live. I went and sat down, and I was crying because I did what God told me to do. <clears throat> and, of course, I wasn't old enough to understand how offerings work. You don't take a bicycle and give it to somebody to help them pay their light bill, all right? That ain't how it works. But I gave what I had. That's all I had. It was the most precious thing I had. It was the most expensive thing I had. And I'm sitting there and I was just crying because it felt so good to do what God told me to do. And I'll never forget, at the end of the pew where I was sitting was a missionary to Peru. His name was Carlton Allen. He had been the pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta before daddy took it. 
In fact, my dad took the church because Brother Allen, who had founded the church, got called to missions and had to resign to go on deputation. And my dad came in behind Carlton Allen, and Carlton Allen was at that camp meeting that day. And Carlton Allen, he stood up, and I don't remember exactly how much it was. It might have been $40, $50. Of course, this was in the 70s, so that was a lot of money back then. It might have been 100 I don't remember. But for argument's sake, let's just say 50 He stood up and he said, Brother Allen, I'd like to redeem that boy's bicycle for $50. And people started saying amen, and people started shouting, and people were crying, and I was sitting there, and I didn't know what happened. Let me tell you what happened. He gave the camp, he basically bought my bicycle from the camp for $50, gave them the money, and gave me my bicycle back. Are y'all following this? I was so offended because I thought they didn't want my bicycle. And God had told me to give it. And I knew God had told me to give it. And I did what God told me to do. And now they're trying to get out of me giving it. And my mom or daddy leaned over to me and said, Stacy, what just happened is you gave that bicycle to the, to the Lord and God just gave it back to you, and somebody just gave the money in place of that bicycle. It took a while for me to figure that out. And I was seven years old when I realized that you cannot go wrong just doing what God said when it comes to sacrificing. And I can stand up here for hours and tell you story after story after story of times that God has laid upon my heart to do something and I didn't know how it was gonna happen. I didn't know what was gonna happen afterwards. I just knew this is what God wanted me to give and I gave it and God did something amazing. This little boy probably had sweaty hands when he walked up there and said, here's my lunch. I don't know what I'm gonna eat today and I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble when I get home, but I feel like I need to give this food and God took it and blessed it and multiplied it, performed a miracle and here we are 2,000 years later still talking about it. Plus he got the 12 basket full on top of it. Kids, a little lad the Bible says, can know what it means to sacrifice. I'm out of time. Let me give you one more. Daniel chapter number one. One of my favorite stories in the Bible over in the Old Testament. You can turn if you like or you can just listen. Just sit quietly and listen. But in Daniel chapter number one, the Bible tells us there was a group of children now, we don't know how old they were. I've heard preachers speculate. The Bible don't tell us how old they were, but it calls them children in Daniel chapter number one. The Bible tells us that he should, verse number three, the king, that he should bring certain of the, of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, verse four, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Our message this morning is kids can know. This was another group of children that had been kidnapped and brought from, from Israel over into Babylon for the very purpose of being taught the foreign languages and about the foreign gods, the false gods. That's what they brought them there for. Children. The Bible calls them children. And part of that training was they was going to have to eat food that had been forbidden by God and drink things that had been forbidden by God. 
And I don't have time to preach this whole passage of scripture. There's a month worth of preaching in this chapter. But the Bible tells us in verse number eight that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Write this down, number three. Kids can know how to sanctify themselves unto God. He said there's something different about us and I am not gonna go along with this. And he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. We don't know how old he was, but the Bible calls them children. Daniel purposed in his heart, surrounded by peer pressure, surrounded by people that were threatening to kill him if he didn't do what they said. He says, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not eating that. I'm not drinking that. I'm not going along with that. I don't care what nobody says. I'm not doing it. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself or the portion of the king's meat. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The man said, you got to eat this food, son. The king will cut my head off if you don't eat this food. If you don't eat what I'm bringing you, if you don't drink what I'm bringing you, I'm going to get my head cut off. Daniel says, I don't want to eat it. Daniel said, I'll tell you what I'll do. You just let me eat beans and drink water for 10 days and we'll just test it out and see what happens. 10 days he drank water and ate pulse. The Bible says the king, when the eunuch came back in there to look at him, the Bible says his countenance was better, his, he was fatter, he was healthier than all the rest of them. And so guess what? He said, all right, go ahead. You can eat that. You don't have to eat what I told you. You can eat the beans and water. And you want to know how long he ate beans and water? Ten days ain't nothing. The Bible says three years. Three years. And I'm sitting here looking at this. By the way, it's in verse 5. The king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. The Bible says in verse 18, Now at the end of the days that the king had said, he should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in. And they stood before the king in verse 19. And in verse number 20, the king found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers. Here's a group of kids. Look at me now, I'm done. Here's a group of kids that said, I'm going to sanctify, sanctify myself to God. I'm not going to eat all your fancy food and drink all your fancy wine and liquor. I'm going to drink water and eat beans for three years to keep myself clean and pure before God. kind of wonder where those kids are today. wonder where kids are today that know how to sanctify themselves. This wasn't parents making them. This wasn't a pastor or a youth pastor forcing them. This was kids, children, that took the initiative to sanctify themselves to God when nobody else was around that even cared. He purposed in his heart. What am I saying? I'm saying that those generations that grew up in Judges chapter number two that did not know the Lord nor the works which he had done, they were robbed because they can know. They should have known. Somebody should have told them. Somebody should have taught them. Somebody should have explained it to them because children can know. Kids can know. It's not just for adults. It's for young people. The question this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed is are you interested? Are you interested? Is there any young people here today that is interested in knowing what it means?
to sympathize with people that have a need and take their eyes off of themselves and put their eyes on others. Is there young people here today, just one maybe that would say, I'm willing to learn what it means to sacrifice and let God use me. And though I may not have much, I wanna give it to the Lord and let God take it and use it and multiply it and bless it. Experience the amazing miracles that God gives to those that learn how to sacrifice. And there, would there be a young person here today that would say, I purpose in my heart, I'm not gonna defile myself. If everybody else around me is doing it, I'm gonna sanctify and separate myself unto God. I'm willing to be different, I'm willing to be made fun of, laughed at, mocked, ridiculed, in order for my relationship to God to be what it should be. Folks are praying this morning. If God has spoken to your heart, you be obedient.